hopefully last Family Guy analysis podcast on the internet, those good old-fashioned values. I am Spencer, a.k.a. The Lonely Photon, and I am joined, as always, by Andy, a.k.a. at X underscore Anarcho Anon on Twitter. Hello. And Ty, a.k.a. at Bobo underscore Circus on Twitter. And we've got a very special guest today, uh, Lime Boiler, old Twitter friend, musician. Lime, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Okay. All right. So I, I have something I would just like to let people know. Hey, so season nine uh, has a few episodes, like, and then when we were fewer, Road to the North Pole, and it's trapped that we're not talking about this episode, mainly because, well, we might mention them, but we're not an- analyzing them this episode because they're showing up in bonus episodes uh, later down the road. I just figured I'd bring this up now since, like, there are quite a few of them this season, so, you know. At least three or four. really a lot. All right, so, since Lime, it's... First time on the show, I was going to ask you, what is your history with Family Guy? It's it's not I, it's not a very interesting history. I think I just like, I think I, I think I saw an episode of it like for the first time when I was like ten or something, and it was the the Epicac episode. Oh God! Um, mm. Where they're all just like vomiting, and I like was looking at it. And I'm just like, this is horrible. This is not funny. I don't understand how anyone could watch this. And then I think that remained my opinion for yeah. a long time until I like got to the point where I was like. Oh wait, no. This is really interesting because it's mediocre. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is I, why I, we've run, you know, by this point, ten, eleven episodes out of it. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's very, very peculiar. And I've talked to Spencer at length about just like how interesting, like what it, like kind of what it always was, but also just like what it has become because it's like not The Simpsons because The Simpsons had points where it was really good, and Family Guy I don't think has ever had those points. Maybe not like Golden Age Simpsons good, but it had like least solid seven eight eight out of ten like seasons like good seasons yeah. of televisions in our opinion if there's good seasons i would like to see them because i don't think i have and i don't think they're on canadian netflix are you uh, canadian oh uh, well, i mean what is on netflix this day outside uh these days outside of nexus originals on canadian netflix i think there's four family guy seasons which is why i picked season nine because it's the first of the four that we have spencer oh, why do we keep putting canadians on here <laughs> Because I'm special. I, I wanted to bring Lime Boiler on since back when I was getting back into this show last year, when my friends were like very concerned about my health <laughs> because of how much Family Guy I was watching. Lime was someone I be. watched some episodes of the show with, some episodes from season nine, and we were both extremely fascinated by it. We watched, uh, what is it, Big Bang Theory and um, Trading Places, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we also watched the David Bowie uh, one. Which David Bowie one? The one, uh, Trading Places, the one at the end with the David Bowie music video. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the, the, the um, weird, they do some weird shit on this show. And I think we mentioned this a bit last season, especially with the current showrunners, but this season it's like, this is where you really start getting into the experimental Family Guy funny moments. There's, there's a lot of, like, real human people in this season. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was I, I continually surprised by it. I remember we, we had this extended discussion about in season seven when they do the uh, Conway Twitty thing. Uh, it's just right. going, it's a long ass music video. They do the same thing here. And, you know, Ty, you, you mentioned like, it's kind of like a joke of how boring this video is in season yeah. seven. I think in season nine, they were just like, fuck it, just put in the David oh, Bowie video. Those. Yeah, or um, or the in the similar vein, Carter trying to pick up the bench with the with backhoe. Like, yeah. it feels like every episode or two, like they have even more than like earlier seasons. They have one of those jokes where it's like the point is how long it is. Yeah, and I kind of like them, like because it 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 feels. I like mean, it's they're a, hit or miss, but when they hit, they this, hit. This season yeah. does have some good episodes. I'll I'll give them that. I feel like it's a it's a lot of back and forth. I find. I I was saying this a little bit before we started. Um. I might be in the minority. I prefer this season to season eight. I think they they kind of recommit themselves to at least caring about plot. Uh, yeah. The gags are a little bit, I think, more subdued, at least in, like, how many there are, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. There's some... I mean, the voice acting has been pretty solid since at least season three or four, but, like, this season has some really, really good voice acting, especially from Myla Kunis and Seth Green, who we don't see it a lot from. Um yeah. No, I preferred the season to season. Sure, eight. but outside of like the first episode, um, which is like, and then we were fewer, which not time right now. But that's like you know we say that's like the best Family Guy episode of all time. Like 
I think right. this season doesn't have the same level of highs as season eight does, but it's probably much more consistent. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, Lime, what did you think of this season? Again, there there's not a lot of Family Guy seasons I've seen, so I don't really have the perspective that you guys do. But I was really surprised by how like the really bad episodes were right next to the really good episodes. Yeah. Yes. Like there's a lot of like like there'll be an episode that's just like entirely racism. Yeah. And then after that, they'll have an episode that is like all plot. An, an episode yeah. that's about um, making a pedophile seem sympathetic. Yeah. That that's not new territory. That's yeah, not that's... new territory. But I think the way they went about it this season feels a bit different. Like, okay, the difference I think, which there's a, there's an episode where Herbert uh, meets an old Nazi who who had him in the concentration camps because Herbert fought in World War Two because he's a billion years old. The the thing I'm bringing up is like. The difference between, like, oh, this is a tangent I recognize, but the, the, the difference between, like, previous transmissions is that it was, like, funny sympathetic, where this is, like, nah, Herbert was, like, he's kind of a hero now, and it's, like, hmm, okay. Yeah. You, you know what the weird thing about this season is? What? I, I, think, I think this season, more than any other that we've watched, and maybe any more that exists in the future, this season, like, every episode, there's a huge moment of pathos, and, like, it's, it's like they're almost forcing it, like, every almost every episode has like a moment that feel feels more like a like dramatic than a comedy yeah. you know yeah, yeah. and that is yeah. something that I, I do like about family guy when it does well like it does like you know they've they've done action sequences since like season two with the chicken stuff and it's but it's it's interesting they they incorporated that with the plot i kind of i do kind of like that about about um, At the very least, they're they're you know trying to experiment with like what their show can do, which like is never a bad. You know, it's like a good comparison yeah. for like Family Guy from season nine onward to an extent is like what like we compare it to Simpsons a lot, and I think that's fair. Yeah, Family Guy at least at this point, and and it has, and I think it like you can argue it has for a while, but it definitely isn't at this point. It sort of always exists as what if the Simpsons constantly existed in Treehouse of Horror status quo, where you could just do anything. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's a good. A good that's a good. A lot of gore. Yeah, a lot of gore. A lot of, lot of like various genre stuff. A lot of like it's, it's, it's a very much more. It's a very varied. So instead of making fun of like the traditional sitcom stuff. Yeah, especially this season. Did you guys? And I, I know, uh, Lime, you don't have much of a basis for this. Did but Spencer and Andy, did this season feel like they were really going like all in on the gross out humor? Yes, I kind of got yeah. that. Yeah, like, like, way, way, way more. Yeah, no, out, like literally the, the, the scene where the scene where like evil Stewie literally cuts off. Bri- I mean, we'll talk about it, but like literally cuts off Brian's tail. Like, yeah, Lime, I'm glad you brought up the Ipecac episode earlier because like there's a joke like that every episode this season. That's true. It reminds me a lot of I was, I was going to say earlier. It's I don't know if y'all are familiar with Clone High. Um, I'm familiar with it, but I haven't seen. Yes, much of I it. love Clone High. Um, so a lot of a, a lot of Clone High. There's like a ton of gore that they, they, they just don't even really set up a joke around it. It's just like, oh, now this character is bleeding profusely or has a broken leg or something. And Family Guy, yeah. these bits feel a lot like that, but like almost like less tasteful in a way because <laughs> it feels like they're trying too hard to make it funny. When it's, yeah. if, if the gore wasn't funny, it'd be funnier, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Clone High, uh, this is going to be, because this is coming out a week late, but did you guys hear that they're, they're rebooting it? What? I, I actually yeah don't yeah think it I just came that. out early what the it just f- came out earlier no way today. no way no way yeah look it up yeah no it was I literally saw it like an hour ago um Phil Lord and Miller and someone someone Lawrence they apparently they're rebooting it for like an MTV uh, apparently it's like part of a rash of reboots of like yeah because I, I I did see the Beavis and Butthead thing uh, which yeah 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 no I'm so excited I love Clone High we've talked about it on the show before but I wanted to talk about this season one other thing is so that when in the very first episode of the show of this podcast i believe or i think it was the season one episode ty you mentioned that what drew you to the show is that it sort of at its peak hits this really good mix of sitcommy and cartoony and yes. season yeah. one is way too sitcommy it's yes. uh to i love lucy now i i liked this season mostly um but this is definitely where the show starts getting too cartoony, I think. Yeah, that is, I think, a, a good comparison. 
I would argue that was last season, because if anything, this season feels more sitcom-y to me than season 8 did. I think uh, the, the difference, there are more sitcom-y episodes this season, whereas, like, season 8, you had more of a mix in the individual episodes. Whereas this it's, this season, it feels like there are the really cartoony episodes, and then there are, there are the really sitcom-y episodes. Yeah. They don't really mix the two. Yeah, like a lot of, like, sitcom plot lines. Like, oh no, who who yeah. found this person cheating? Oh, wacky antics, yeah, like, hilarity ensues. Like you you, you know? have an episode like... Right. Um, like Friends of Peter G. That's like the Alcoholics Anonymous one, or stuff. But then you also have the uh, the Evil Stewie episode. That's like a, a very like fun stuff. Yeah, they also do a lot of high concept stuff. I think that Spencer and Andy and Lon- I think you guys are right in that it is significantly more high concept than the show used to be. But I think in terms of its actual structure, it it, it cares a lot more about the actual like. The like the actual plot and like the the mechanics of the story a lot more than it did in season eight. Even if even if more of the premises are high concept. I don't know. I I, I can kind of see where you're coming from, but I feel like you're selling season eight a bit short. And well, I'm not saying that season eight was bad. I just think that I am noticing more in this season. Like, uh, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's tricky because. I really noticed the more cartoony stuff here this season more. Like, I have it bolded in my notes, but it's it didn't, like, suddenly swerve the season. And I think that the sudden influx of really high-concept stuff uh, really makes it feel more cartoony here. One thing I wanted to uh, add, since we usually talk about character development in this section, is that um, this show continues to revolve around the disintegration of Brian. Oh, this season is like egregious. Well, I think I think this is like we we have seen Brian decline in that he is sort of a lose from like the complete Chad he was, for lack of a better term, in like seasons, you could find a better one uh, in the first three to four seasons. Like the 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 the, the transition of Brian before was he's more of an alcoholic. He he has bad relationships and stuff. This is the season where it's it's. Brian is a fucking fake intellectual and a hack really starts creeping in. Yeah. Lime, since you don't really have much experience with the uh, earlier seasons, what do you think of how Brian was treated this season? They kind of make him look like a fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This is the seasons where, like, you might start getting the sense of, like, oh, Brian might be the worst person in the Griffin house. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, I think, I think that's the idea is that, is that they, they serve Brian as the, almost the, protagonist in a sense because he's like the most relatable he's the most reasonable he doesn't have all these wacky character traits that like peter or lois has or whatever um but also he's a dickhead so if you relate to him and you do everything he does you're a dickhead too fuck you you the you the viewer are are are, you suck yeah we don't we don't like you yeah no and i think that's what that's what drew me to family guy is because around this time the show is almost like trying to punish its audience um, yeah, we mentioned in season one, and that, it never works. <laughs> yeah, we mentioned that in season one that, um, or in the season one episode that at a certain point after the cancellation and revival, and it became increasingly clear that there was no way the show is getting taken off the air. It's a Fox staple, it's an animation domination staple. You know, if The Simpsons can survive fucking eighty billion years, then Family Guy can do it too. Um, that they just started putting stuff in the show to just like actively punish engaged viewers and i think that the awful way it treats its characters including meg including brian starts to become a part of that i want to talk about megan and chris but i I want to throw out an idea that i i I had a little bit how much do you think brian's deteriorating characterization is to make up for the fact that stewie and quagmire are supposed to be way more likable and good characters than they used to be and brian is i don't think it's a conscious thing I, I it it does seem like kind of a balance like a like a way to to balance things out because if they if because if, if if all three of those characters were just supposed to be hated then there would be like I don't know no nuance to like most of the plot yeah well that's what I'm saying is the the show's sort of the the who the show is giving the moral high ground to or used to is as has changed over like the past five ten years in the show's history and like I think that's like Brian has to go down a peg now I actually don't don't mind necessarily brian's characterization completely my problem is this is now the status right. quo with brian that's my problem is that it, it never really gets better for brian I, I i do like that like there's a point where like they paint quagmire as this fucking bastard for like many seasons and then all of a sudden only in the instances where brian is involved quagmire is suddenly a saint right or at least a better yeah. guy well and yeah. peter but to be fair 
Peter is a chaos god. And again, once again, I don't think Peter counts as a character. He's Um, just kind of like a fucking whirlwind. He's a a setup. Every episode this season, like two thirds of them, it feels like the. You know how we always mention that the first act has nothing to do with the um, next two acts, and we're in disagreement. The Simpsons thing. That's part of it's this. It's the Simpsons thing. It's the. It's the. It's the same as how Simpsons do their plots. Yeah, we're kind of torn as to whether or not it's just lazy writing or part of the joke that it's like. Kind of what The Simpsons does, but like even more, like 20 times more insane. I never said that isn't also lazy writing. But like every single, uh, you know, beginning in this, uh, what is it, season, or like two thirds of them are just Peter getting up to shenanigans. Like, what if Peter drank a lot of Red Bull and then just caused chaos? Like, like um, there, there's a throwaway joke. Peter, Peter shakes the earth and then there's like 17 minutes of them trying to put it back together. Yeah. What is it? Uh, like, there's a joke where Peter like becomes like an active shooter at a school briefing. Oh well, that's that. That is in the episode <laughs> where mode. he gets. That is in the episode where the inciting incident is that he gets a dirt bike. Yeah, but like, yeah. the I was about to say that like the like school shooting thing like that could be like the a plot of an episode if it wasn't like probably too dark for TV. Yeah, or at least network TV. No, yeah, no, if the show didn't have to deal with, like, Fox censors, like, Peter, like, shooting up a school would be, like, the A-plot of an episode. Well, I, I think, I don't know what season it's in, but, like, uh, the, the Boston Marathon gag, where Peter wins the Boston Marathon by driving his car over everyone else who's competing in the competition. <laughs> like, that's the example I think of. It's just like, yeah, Peter can fucking do anything. He is yeah. beyond morality. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, and that's something that started last season, but, yeah, I think this season is where they really go full tilt, and, like, Peter... Peter is a setup. He's not really a character anymore. So once again, I guess I uh, talking about Peter uh, and and Quagmire and stuff. Do you f- do you feel like you miss Cleveland again this season? You know, bring not it up. Really. Is he still much. gone? No, not no. as like, not even again, as much as last season. I forgot Cleveland was a character. <laughs> I think it's also just like Quagmire and Joe are very and 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 they also like. I feel like when they reference, like, the gang, like, in the Halloween episode where they do pranks on each other, you feel like they're being a, a reference to, like, oh, yeah, we used to do this with Cleveland, but no, not anymore. He's just, he's just gone. We all know Cleveland yeah. was... And, and speaking of the Halloween episode, you know, the I mean, that's an unusual episode because of how many plot lines it has, but, like, you know, part of it is just, like, Peter, like, brings in a terrible disease from Africa and then just fucking kills Quagmire. Uh... I have I have one more point if no one else does. Go ahead, Tuck. Uh, I think this we we talked a lot about how the last season is kind of like the season of Quagmire and Brian and they're they kind of you know their rising star. I, I would argue that this season is. I mean, I still think you get some more of that like Brian in it, but I would argue that this season is a lot of Meg and Chris. Yes, yeah. and also something else I want to say like we we mentioned like the transition. This season, perhaps even more than season eight, is when we really start getting Joe's a fucking loser. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, I'm was. i actually glad you brought that up, because I, I wanted to talk about uh, Chris and Meg. We've gotten episodes about this before, but th- this is really where the, I feel like they're way more comfortable and just give it, make, like, yeah, Meg can be a bit yonder, eh? For lack of a better term. Like, she <laughs> can just be crazy. Oh, is that what you're Okay. Yeah. 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 That's such a funny thing to say. Yeah. But it's it's true, though. Is it? Well, she gets a lot of crazy stalker episodes. Like, you get the, the, is, the oh, one with Joe oh, okay. this season. Wait, this you know, is you the know, second okay. one of, yeah, so far. I was just, I was just thinking of the way she interacts with her family. I forgot the way yeah. she acts at school. And I'm like, okay, you're, you're totally yeah. right. She is. Yeah. Also worth noting, I feel like, and this is something I noticed when I, when I watched the Halloween episode, I feel like Meg's friends are in a weird place in the show where they're constantly there, but they yeah. never add anything of value. Yeah. Or, like, I've no, I don't even well, know Meg's their names. Well, character revolves around her being, like, the most unlikable, like, you know, or just, like, the right. most put-upon person in the world. Yeah. And Which is weird. The Joba family. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so weird. We mentioned that in, like, season three and four. It's like, Meg really doesn't deserve this. I don't I don't get why they're, they're picking on Meg. I guess it's just because they need to give her character traits because she was pretty boring for the early season. Yeah. But, like... Then she has friends, and, like, her whole character revolves around her not having friends, so they only put those friends there when they, like, have to be there for a plot purpose. Right. Yeah. 
it's I, I would say like American Dad does a similar thing with like Steve has a group of friends, but those are actually like characters and stuff that like yeah. get subplots and stuff. Yeah. Um. Whereas Meg, it's just like Meg, the Family Guy never really handles the the the, 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 the high school stuff gracefully outside of some principal. I'm trying to jokes. think right now. I can literally only remember one of her friends' name. Oh, one of them is like Edith or something. One of them is Patty, and then there's another one, yeah. and it's like yeah, you, no. you think in like a show with as strong a supporting cast as Family Guy is built up by this point like you think i would be able to name meg's friends yeah they're in a lot a lot of episodes but just never leave any impact now you mentioned chris got a lot this season at least yeah. more than he yeah, did before. I, guess I mean, I he got see that, but I don't think he got. No, as much he did as not Meg. get as much as Meg. But like, he got the he got the the German guy one. He got. Um, Does Chris I, I have friends know. at school? Chris has Neil Golden. Yeah. Uh, is really oh, his yeah, only yeah, friend. Okay. Yeah, Mort's son. Yeah, yeah. Neil's um, been basically written out of the show at this point. Yeah, he has not appeared. He, for he maybe appears three in a seasons. few episodes, but it's basically just like one or two scenes. Like, is he just like a Mort clone? Is that is that no? He, he actually appeared before. Yeah, he's, Mark, he's like Mark, more. So they retroactively. He's like more, except instead of being Jewish, he's a nerd. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. Wait. So Mort's Mort's son is not Jewish? No, I mean he, he is, is Jewish, Jewish, but like you know how. But that's, but you, that's know how Mort's entire, you know how Mort's entire character is being Jewish? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mort, Neil is like yeah. the same. He's the same type of guy, but instead of being Jewish, his character is that he's a nerd. Is Napoleon yeah. Dynamite? Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I think that. I think that's that's kind of like pretty accurate to the experience of being a Jewish kid in high school. Is you're just like kind of archetyped as the nerd, yeah, that's and no one knows what, and no one knows what race is or something. Yeah, no, but I mean, he hasn't appeared since maybe season five. Yeah. yeah. So I guess there were two other things I wanted to mention. The first is, um, you know, I went. I, we talked about Joe as a loser. This is also the scene where we get of uh, the season where we really start getting up. The Bonnie is fucking miserable about her marriage. Yeah, she hates it and wants out and wants Joe to die. Yeah. Um, yeah, which ties into the whole Joe is pathetic thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I also I will say I I do think it is maybe it's just because they can't use Patrick Stewart all the time although they they get him from American Dad in a bunch of ways I feel like they I don't know if they've introduced the Susie Swanson is voiced by Patrick Stewart in her monologues yet but I wish always wish they do that more because it's always really funny when they I do. love how often Patrick Stewart comes on this show yeah yeah we'll we'll talk about, we'll get to talk him about it a lot when we do American American Dad because we'll, he's Bullock in that but like does he genuinely just like enjoy being on the like does he think it's funny do they he just was, pay we him we also well? have like, to remember like yeah. not just three years ago he was poop emoji so yeah uh, I, I I like to I think he just likes to be included yeah I, I I like to imagine like like Patrick Stewart like at his home just watching Family Guy and just like chuckling to him just laughing yeah. <laughs> Oh, how devilish. You know what? Maybe it might be just that he likes being in a well-popular, like, thing that it, right. that is constantly airing on TV that doesn't have a psychotic, like, obsessive fan base like Star Trek fans. Maybe that's why. I think he's just aware of the how powerful and mimetic his voice is. So he just, like, wants w- wants to lend it to things because, like, he knows like, he what, that people British like it. He has a voice. There are a lot yeah. of British actors with powerful voices like Charles Dance or Christopher Lee, you know. This is this is very fan fiction-y. I always imagined that Patrick Stewart and Seth MacFarlane were just, like, friends. That doesn't <laughs> seem impossible. No. They're, they're weird. Um, the one other thing I wanted to mention, um, because it's, it's, a, it's a thing that just that happened this season in terms of being a character change that we didn't really get to mention otherwise. Uh, and we're not really going to get to mention afterwards. So uh, Lois's sister, Carol, who's been kind of a nothing character before this, got married to Adam West. I don't really have much to say about it, except that I, I like what it means for Adam as a character in that he gets to be invited to more Griffin family events in the future. And that's always good. More Adam West is always welcome. That, that was one of the episodes I thought was, like, uncharacteristically good and not offensive. Yeah. Like, because yeah. the episode right because before Adam it West had, like... Because Adam West is a fucking saint. Because Adam West is epic. And also, also, the episode right before it had, like, 15 racist cutaways, <laughs> and then this one had zero. So, yeah. like, in comparison, this is the best episode of Family Guy I've ever seen, just, like, from that contrast of watching both of them next to each nice other. nice relationship episode. Yeah. yeah, and it's also a lot of plot. And then I was, like, I was posting in my group chat, like, I'm, like, why am I, like, watching this Family Guy episode that has, like, very few gags and, like, kind of engaged with the plot? Why am yeah. I watching Family Guy for the plot? And then everyone was laughing at me. Yeah. It also does have one of my favorite jokes, which is uh, the guy who comes bearing uh, very inconvenient gifts. Oh, <laughs> he's got the fish and he's banging on the, oh my God, it's a really good gag. And then there was your second husband, Randall, who you called your soulmate. Oh God, not that guy. He always comes bearing really inconvenient gifts. Hey, you guys. Peter, I brought you some saltwater tropical fish. 
food, you get that at a tropical fish store. It's 9.30 at night. Well, you better get going. Son of a bitch. And I love, again, we talk about how great the voice acting is, but I fucking love the way Seth MacFarlane says, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, and there's also, uh, just, I remember like the split second of hearing him say, oh yeah, this guy always comes bearing unfortunate, like, or inconvenient gifts. And I'm like, what does that mean? And then he's like, here are tropical fish. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I guess that's what it means. I would also hate to be given tropical fish. Yeah. Um, no, that's a, uh, do, you, do you have anything to say about Carol? Not really. Wasn't there an episode where she had a kid? Uh, Did that just get no. written off? Yeah, probably. I don't. She okay. she she appeared in an earlier episode where the whole joke was that she gets divorced and remarried all the time, but I don't think she had a kid. Yeah, and they they Maybe. went to her house in Texas. No, for, no, she might have uh, had a kid. Episode. Hold on. No, she does have a kid. I remember that. Yeah. And no, yeah, because she was giving birth. Yeah, that's so weird. So, well, this is this is my first this is my first introduction to that character, and I was like, kind of surprised at how much depth she had and how like kind of interesting she was considering that she's never in any fucking episodes yeah yeah like um, i was like oh they give lois a family and their family has characteristics that's crazy one thing i just want to say before we begin is i guess that the purpose of carol is to give lois a family member that is not a scumbag like her parents um, yeah yeah or her brother who is a murderer yeah um, yeah but yeah. He, he, oh that's right he does come back one more time um yeah, he comes back like once or twice. All right, so uh, I think we're going to wrap up the season analysis part of this. Um, I think we're all in agreement that it's like a solid enough season. It's like not like top shelf, but it's it, if this is the beginning of the end, then this is probably the best of the Yeah, end. this is very much Simpsons yeah. season nine in the same of yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's not as good as it used to be, but it's still not Dark Ages yet, you know? Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break um, with a song provided by our guest, and then we will come back and talk about some episodes. episode called again i have to check brian writes a uh, bestseller brian, brian writes a bestseller yeah so i have to give a plot summary is that what, is that what i do here yeah we'll just, a quick plot summary. just a quick plot yeah, summary spencer's good at these so yeah. uh brian writes a bestseller is that basically uh brian is pissed because he's a failing author you know he decides to write like a self-help book in a couple hours just to see like if he can and it becomes a massive hit and he eventually starts touring everywhere. Uh, Stewie becomes his agent, but the two start getting in fights because Brian's being a complete asshole to Stewie. Eventually, Brian gets booked by Stewie on Bill Maher's show, and we'll talk about this, but uh, yeah, Bill Maher and Ariana Huffington and Dana Gould uh, all tear him a new one and basically say his book sucks. Brian admits he wrote it as like a bit, and then, you know, he... The episode ends, basically. I think it's it's worth noting the ending of this episode. So the episode ends with 
Stewie, Brian failing to apologize for Stewie because he can't admit that, like, no, Stewie fucked up. And Stewie just ends the episode by saying, you can't fucking write. Right. Um, yeah. Not even fuck, he just a, says you Which can't is write. A, one of, I think, the best up endings of Family Guy, because it's just like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's one of my favorite Stewie it's, moments. It's, it's like, no, you're not like this, like, gifted failing artist who isn't appreciated in this time. You just suck balls. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> which has been a thing they've established before but the, I think the, the difference between like Brian we've mentioned in the season is that like Brian not only cannot write now but he also can't fucking is not a good reader either um, yeah. and he's not a, he's, not, not, he's, a not, a, he's not a good person he's like just yeah. like yeah this is I think one of like the, the, the de- defining episodes of, of Brian just being a fucking yeah. scumbag so, so um, jumping into the discussion Lime why did you uh, why did you choose this one I just thought there were a lot of things about it that were like kind of emblematic of, of like middle family guy and also just like yeah. the way how brian used to be a self-insert and now clearly is not because he's a fucking terrible person who you're not supposed to relate to at all in this episode and also there's a huge live action segment which is like we're kind of getting into like the weird <laughs> yeah brian literally goes on bill yeah. maher and it's live action bill maher and his guests tearing into brian i hesitate to say like getting into the the avant-garde family guy bits but like just having, just like jumping into the, like they have Brian superimposed over a real life set, and then there's like some joke about him, like Brian like peeing because he's a dog, and dogs sometimes pee when they're not supposed to. It's just the whole thing is so bizarre, right. and like it's good and like it's funny, but it's also like what the fuck am I watching? You know? Yeah. So this is previews viewers might know. I think we've brought it up once or twice in the show. This is Spencer's favorite episode of Family Guy. Ever? Uh, not anymore, but he it loves is- it. It's. He uh, he t- he frequently DMs us about how much he loves Bill Maher. Um, yeah, that is true. <laughs> do you mean his role or do you mean him as a guy? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big um, fan of him as a person. Um, yeah, you know. he agrees with everything Bill Maher says. Uh, but I, I will say that finally watching this again, it is so uncanny to see them just recreate an episode of his show like in the middle of this ostensibly, you know, cartoon, um, it's, it's so wild, because they, they do really dedicate, like, 10 minutes to it, and it's like, why do people watch this, like, when Brian's not on it? Like, it's an awful show, genuine, like, he's not, he's not charismatic, the guests suck, I mean, it's, it's so wild to see, like... Because, because, and as as we'll mention when we cover my episode, uh, it's it's 2011. And, right, uh, and everyone smug, is... Being a smug Democrat who's better than, than the loser Republicans is, is very in right now. Oh, and that is something you see with this season a lot, too, is everyone is so high on Obama. It yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and that that that's really all of the smug Democrat thing. It's like, eh, we won. Yeah. We're better. The world yeah. is becoming well, it's, a good it, it's place. Be fair, it was like there people. was a genuine Obama mania sweeping oh, chunks of the country because yeah. he was fucking. He was president. Obama and he was... is a very one of the most charismatic public figures uh, yeah. pro- probably in our lifetimes. He was um, he was everybody's national hero and their favorite celebrity. Like I, I'm not saying that they were uniquely in that, but it's just, it's weird seeing like how much Obama took over the culture for those couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah. about like 2014. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he, he was a huge deal. Like, you know, Democrats loved him. Uh, there was like a truly pathological obsession from the right on him. Like, obviously that happens with, you know, every left president, but like, this right. did feel left like, at, yeah, this, this really did feel like kind of, disturbing uh back at the time i remember with oh, the yeah. tea party stuff like the uh, the birtherism movement yeah. um, um i think yeah. um i mean well to be fair they were they it it freaks out a lot of like the kind of comfortable white suburban well it's it's also i think uh something one thing i want to say about Obama is that unlike um bill clinton who they finally also have a president who is at least in their mind still scandal free he is a he is a just likable like charming right. he is everything a celebrity could be and not a, not like a scandal ridden pervert like clinton was um yeah which even like they had to admit it took it took us it took us two black presidents to get it right <laughs> yeah before we talk even more about it i want to say is that uh you mentioned that this used to be my favorite family guy episode and that was because back when i was like kind of fascinated by the show i watched this episode and i thought it was like easily the most insane thing i'd ever seen no um now that i have watched <laughs> over a hundred episodes of the show in a span of a couple months for this fucking podcast this yeah. i did not even blink twice at anything in this episode like even the bill yeah. even the bill maher stuff is like yeah do you think that was because you knew it was coming though 
the Bill Moore stuff would probably throw me if I didn't know it was coming. Right. But like, uh, I I forgot I forgot how much they went on it, and it threw me. Not knowing and seeing that episode for the first time, I was literally like taken aback. I was like screaming. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, I can't, I, I literally yeah. can't believe this. That's like a that's a real human person, and that's not even a random real human person. It's like a real human person with like a verified Twitter account. What the fuck is going on? And they have canned laughter in it. It's like a real fucking. They zoom in on his face. He does the funny expressions. Like, what the fuck is going on? It's like it's right. it's so weird. Is it good that they never did this kind of setup again? I don't think so. I, I would have liked to see more of that kind of weird yeah. shit. I think they could have made it work. But you, you think this, back yeah. to uh, like season six during the the second um, James Wood, the second James Woods episode, like yeah. when Peter goes on Letterman, like it's just an animated Letterman, like it, the guy doing an impression, like you know. Like, I feel like they've done, like, talk shows. They'll just go back to doing that again. Like, you know, yeah. doing an- regular animated appearances, okay. not complete live-action appearances. I, th- again, I think the like, thing is, if, if they're going to do a right. bit more than once, they have to do it 500 times, because the joke has to be that they do the bit way too many times. Yes. And if they, if they did the Bill Maher bit 500 times, it would eat up the entire show. So yeah. they can't yeah. do it. Yeah. That is a common one. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, the, well, to be it's, fair, it's I not, think many of Family Guy writers. It's too unreasonable of a bit for them to do the too many times bit to it. So they're yeah. going to do it once. <laughs> and it's also probably like extremely like, you know, it is kind of intensive to do since they, you know, they have to pre-record the Bill Maher bit. What is it? And then they have to insert in Brian and they have to like animate around the pre-recorded footage they have. So it's yeah, it's and they have to get Bill Maher. So. Let me, let me ask you a question. You, you you just mentioned that, you know, they got Bill Maher. Do you think it was because they got Bill Maher because Colbert and Stewart turned them down? No, I think it's because they genuinely like Bill Maher. Yeah. But, like, I like yeah. I feel like those two, like, were way bigger and more popular. Yeah, but I think, so I think, I think it, Brian being on Bill Maher makes a lot more sense than if they had Colbert there. Like, that would be weird. Well, yeah. I think you're forgetting, like, 2011 Colbert was, like, a little bit. I think he was cynical enough that he could have worked, but, yeah, you're no, right. No, 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 but it's, it's, it's just... Like, okay, like, Colbert would have worked, but the fact that it was a panel, I think, made a lot yeah, more sense. Also, also that, Colbert only did guests. He exactly. never did panels. Yeah, so, like, yeah. I, I think that's why Same it worked. It's John three Stewart. people yeah. cutting into Brian. It's not one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah, if they did just Colbert, like, they would have to do, like, Frost Nixon on that. It would not, yeah, it would be an entirely different uh, setup. I don't think it would be as funny. Yeah. I don't think so either. Well, I also like, I also like, uh, what is it, Brian being mean to Ariana Huffington and calling her, like, Jaja Gabor and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, he's, no, he's, he's, he's trying. Like, he's, you know. I mean, and also, you should be mean to Ariana Huffington. Like, <laughs> uh, just to keep things moving, I was gonna hop on to, um, uh, Ty, what episode did you choose? Yes. Okay. Oh, uh, I... uh hold on. I'm sorry. I know, I know. I just, but we didn't, we talked about the entire episode without really bringing up Stewie's role. Do you have anything, guys have anything to say about Stewie during I this think, episode? Okay. I think the way they oh, wrote really? Stewie is really weird because as soon as Stewie is an agent, he's being racist. And then like five minutes later, Brian is being racist and Stewie's like, what the fuck? Brian is racist. And that's like weird. Right. Well, that's just Family Guy. But the the thing yeah. I do I do is like, do you think Stewie is like goes too far in his sort of submissiveness to to Brian's really. like bu- bullying? We've we've talked a lot about the plasticity of the characters, and even though I don't know if it's as true this season, I think that that is kind of stock and yeah, trade for yeah, and for and, it, the, and it does work yeah. with that ending punchline. Punchline. Anyway, Ty, I guess it's your season episode yes. now. So, uh, my episode is uh, episode four, Halloween on Spooner Street, uh, written by Jerry Langford, or directed by Jerry Langford, written by Andrew Goldberg, who was also the one of the guys from Big Mouth with Nick Kroll. Oh, no. Yeah. He, he's, like, he's like the guy who made Big Mouth alongside Kroll. Our favorite it's show. Weird. Uh, Our favorite we're gonna show. have to Spend do it on that yeah. fucking pot on this fucking podcast sometime. Well, don't, I don't want to shoot myself. Them, don't don't give the don't it. give the patrons any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um. Edit this out. So it's pretty. It it is a weirder episode because it it doesn't it has a pretty different plot structure than a lot of Family Guy. It actually has three subplots. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of them is Peter and Joe and Quagmire are kind of in the middle of a prank war. Where, I mean, really, they play some pranks on Quagmire, then they go out driving with Joe, uh, then Quagmire gets them back, which we'll talk about. Um, that is either the A plot or the B plot, depending on how you look at it. The other kind of main 
I mean, really, they're all kind of equally weighted. It's odd. Well, uh, I would say the, the, the Chris Meg stuff feels like the, the least amount of time, even if sure. it's the most important. Yeah. Uh, the second plot is Brian takes Stewie out for his first Halloween. Uh, a bunch of mean older kids steal Stewie's candy, and he and Brian kind of have to work to get it back. Uh, eventually, they call, just call Lois to make their mo- the kid's mom give the candy back. Um, but that's kind of the whole thing. Uh, and then the the third plot that Andy brought up before is Chris and Meg. Uh, Meg goes to a Halloween party. Uh, she wears a mask with, you know, her friends. And they're kind of like, oh, you know, if we wear masks, we can, you know, get some action. We can, we can kind of slut it up at the Halloween party. She is chosen for seven minutes in heaven with uh, someone dressed like a uh, Optimus Prime. And then when they open the door, uh, they realize that Meg and Chris hooked up finally, solidifying all of the incest uh, subtext that had been up until this moment not ever acted on. And, yeah. and it keeps and they keep that going every on, on and off yeah. for the rest of the, the show. Yeah, basically. it is truly insane to see how much they lean into the incest. And and also, I've, I've I've mentioned this when we were talking about I think season five or six, but it's like also with the the, the Chris Stewart stuff. It's also just wondering of like, will they ever just fucking jump the gun and just go fuck it? Uh, Stewie and Brian are a couple now. Christ. So, what did we think about this episode? I liked it. Uh, yeah, I liked it too. I liked it as well. It's it's like there's so much going on that like there's no like slack and it's just like a stream of like really good jokes. Uh, right. I like how all the plots work. I like uh, Lois getting way too protective of Stewie um, near the end. <laughs> yeah, forcing forcing the mom to give her forty bucks is funny. The incest yeah. stuff is perverse, but it's kind of funny, and uh, I like the shenanigans with the Joe Quagmire and Peter. I also think it's, it's you, you mentioned Ty earlier that this has like three subplots instead of the usual two. I'm, I'm thinking about it over. This kind of like reminds me of um, the Valentine's Day. Yeah, uh, kind of. Where they, they do a few seasons. Like I feel like if they had added like one or two more subplots, they could have really made this like an ensemble Halloween and Quahog episode. Right. But I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I think I feel like it would have been too packed if they put in two more. I think I think th- I, yeah, I would. They're definitely the, trying to, to do them. a lot with each of the subplots that you can't do if it's like a. Yeah, that's true. I would love to see them play with with the three plot structure more often because I I don't think they do it much. Um, Yeah, I I think. Yeah, I like that episode. I think it would be better if we had more just like, here's these characters, he's these characters on a specific day or stuff. Uh, I also think that this is this episode is Fussy Quagmire's biggest victory where because he's annoyed that he got pranked, he threatens to kill his best friends. I think that's a very Fussy Quagmire move that I like. Yeah, Lime, I don't know if you're familiar, but we talk about how there's two sides of Quagmire at this point in the show. First one is just rapist Quagmire. Like, he just, you know, just sexually assaults people. The second half, which we all kind of like, is when he's a very fussy, particular man. Um, He loves cats. He loves, uh, you know, all these, like, very uh, kind of older man things. Mm -hmm. He's very, like, petty. He doesn't know anything about, like, internet stuff or technology yeah he's just kind of like an annoyed and like he just gets annoyed and angry and kind of irritated at stuff and we love him neurotic guy yeah basically yeah yeah no um and it's it's it is the far better side of quagmire um i mean better better in what sense better in that he's not a rapist (laughs) Yeah, better. No, like, yeah. like, like, are we talking better morally or like better? Oh, I mean both. Like, better, writing? better morally, and yeah. I think I, I think Seth has a lot more fun, and the jokes are a lot more uh, entertaining when when yeah. Quagmire, when it's not just oh, Quagmire's a rapist, you know. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I also think like uh, you know I mentioned earlier, but you're not really missing Cleveland for this episode. Yeah, and I, think, really. I think this episode gets a lot of mileage out of out of not Cleveland. Joe, I think this is also like. The first episode where, and this is definitely more prominent once Cleveland comes back of, like, Peter gets along really well with, like, um, Joe and Cleveland, but there's always, like, this this thin layer of antagonism. Maybe not always thin, but, like, this layer of, like, contempt Quagmire has for Peter being, like, whimsical fun ruiner. Because Quagmire Um, is fussy. Wait, Quagmire has contempt for Peter? Peter is a a being of pure chaos. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, you get a lot of that of just, like, Peter, Quagmire being like, yeah, fuck Peter. Yeah. Fuck Peter. He's the weak link in the friend group. Um, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I would agree with that. I, I just think, like, Quagmire doesn't approve of a lot of things yeah. Peter does. And it's like, I, I, think, I think he gets frustrated with it 
to a point of there like there is being... a lot of like like stress between like I feel like this is the start of that you see that in, like, like I think I think Quagmire Quagmire likes Peter and that's why he gets frustrated with a lot of the really stupid shit Peter does whereas Quagmire just like fully hates Brian and does not yeah, want to help right. Brian in any yeah, way that's, so he doesn't that's talk true, to Brian but it, it, it comes out to where like certain episodes it's like no you get the sense that like after this thing no like um like the episode. I forget what season this is in, but uh, where where fucking Peter shoots Quagmire in the arm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I would be pretty frustrated if, if my friend shot me. Yeah, there, there are a lot of points where it's just like, yeah, no, I kind of, or like when like a bad thing happens, Quagmire is like, man, I kind of wish we left you behind. Um, Spencer, do we want to do your app? Yeah, um, so I chose... Oh, wait, uh... No, we gotta move on. I'm sorry, we've gotta move on. Yeah. Okay, sorry, yeah. I guess we don't need We're to. almost at 15 minutes. I just want to mention real quick, the, 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 the lowest bit at the end of the Stewie subplot is one of my favorite lowest bits of all time. Yep. Um, Lois has some good bits. I am so sorry, Mrs. Griffith. I have no idea what got into my son. Well, just have him return the candy and everything's fine. Justin, you give this young man his candy back right now. All right, here. Thanks. Now we want Justin's candy. What? You heard me. Take Justin's bag of candy and pour it into Stewie's. All of it. And if I think you're holding back on me, we're going to have a serious problem. Well, all right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, serious problem. Good. Now go in your purse, take out $40, and put it in the bag. All right, all right, Lewis. You're kind of scaring me now. Uh, I don't have $40. All right. I understand. I'll be back tomorrow for the $80. And I'm taking your welcome mat. Yeah, I mentioned that. Um, uh, what is it? I chose the hand that rocks the wheelchair. I, I chose this one because uh, I think it's a good bit of, I want to say, character development for both Stewie and Meg. Meg, um, for seasons now, the show has no idea what to do with her. In fact, I'd argue it right. never really knew what to do with her. Uh, there was, a, I think there was a bit like in season four or five where they kind of had an idea, but... For, she yeah. is she is the least consistent character in the show, I think. Yeah. And At least I, of the main see, cast. Yeah. This episode, I feel like they're finally letting her come into her own because the show, most of the characters in the show are at their best when they get to be kind of unhinged. Like, right. I like when Chris is just saying completely insane shit that doesn't make any sense. I like when Lois gets to be like kind of mean and petty and cruel. And this is an episode where they let Meg be like really creepy and vindictive and like jealous um they've done yeah. that before but it, it With they kind of push it into really extreme territory here so much so that it like at first you know our friendship with joe is kind of wholesome and then it gets a little uncomfortable and then it gets so uncomfortable like it kind of becomes like hilarious and i i think that this is where they you know they obviously have that awful hurricane episode next season but oh, God, this is there. sort of where they get a better idea of like what to do with her and basically let her like join in on the griffins as being just like a self-centered and awful person because meg basically ruins joe and bonnie's marriage well, or at least tries to. it's been ruined for a while yeah well, yeah yeah but like even well okay ruins their lot bonnie's life yeah she her. she gets bonnie arrested but spencer uh what's the do you have a plot summary yeah what is is that basically Meg uh, looks after Joe while Bonnie's out of town, and Joe shows Meg like and like basically a normal human amount of kindness, like drops her off in front of the school instead of like twenty yeah. feet away, and she gets a crush on Joe and then starts scheming to replace Bonnie. She gets Bonnie arrested, and uh, she basically starts overstepping her bounds a lot, and Joe gets increasingly concerned, and it ties up like pretty wholesomely, like you know. Eventually, Meg gets so unhinged that she decides to jump in front of a car to become a paraplegic like Joe. It doesn't oh. work. And yeah. Joe is just like, hey, you should probably stop doing this. I like being your friend and I like being your neighbor, but like th this is this is too far. And um, Bonnie shows back up randomly. It has this really disorienting fourth wall break where Bonnie says, I still need checks. Uh, what is it? I still need checks to support my gambling addiction. And if you know that her actress Jennifer Tilly is like a poker, like a professional poker player. Um, oh, I didn't know whoa. that. That's funny. Didn't know that. Yeah, Jennifer Tilly, like, what is it? Um, I think she was like one of the first. She was like a celebrity. She won like a celebrity poker tournament. Yeah, no, she's married to a professional poker player. Um, That's so funny. She's cool as shit. I love Jennifer Tilly. 
And yeah, that kind of like very much disoriented me. But anyways, other than that, uh, there's another plot, which is good for Stewie. And it's sort of the, I think, a continuation of the whole Lois kills Stewie stuff we talked about on a bonus episode where Stewie acknowledges that he's not the evil guy anymore. And so he tries to make himself evil, but he instead creates an evil clone of himself. And the evil clone starts like causing havoc and chaos everywhere with some pretty gross, gruesome and grotesque shit. Like, um, you know, cutting off Brian's tail and feeding it to him. And then feeding it he, to Stewie. Yeah. Yeah. He, he goes on yeah. and like machetes a random woman, like straight down the middle, just fucking bisects her. And then, you know, there's a big showdown. Brian kills, uh, you know, they end up like both in diapers. So Brian can't really tell. Yeah, the, um, oh, which one do I shoot moment. Yeah. yeah. And Brian shoots the right one, although at the last second they do sort of the thriller video. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where his yeah, eyes like, go all snaky and he's yeah, like... Yeah, stare at the yeah. camera. But I, I wanted to just uh, add that I liked, I liked this because I like when the show kind of looks back on what Stewie used to be, since even though none of us really like evil Stewie, it, it's, it's a nice... Um, it's kind of I nice like when they Stewie. acknowledge. It's nice to have continuity. Yeah, I also sure. like this and the, the Big Bang Theory, just because they give Stewie moments to, to sort of change. And, and I, I like Stewie's cool hero moments, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Live, you like Evil Stewie? Yes. No. <laughs> what? That's a first for the show. Are you like a big I, no, sicko I, or something? I just think, I don't know. It's it's it's. I think I I think it's cool when he terrorizes his family. It it. It's like, like obviously, it's cliche as shit, and it's like the whole right. bit of like his character in the earlier seasons is that he's completely evil. But I feel like that contrasted with the hero moments, like, is good in my opinion. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to give you that moment since the the idea that evil Stewie is better than gay Stewie is like conventional opinion, yeah. but it's also one that like none of the three we of all us disagree hold. with. Yeah. So, I I don't like gay I, Stewie I get at where all. She's coming. I think a good <laughs> mix of the two would be welcome, but I understand why yeah. they don't do that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't have a ton to add to this. I just really like this episode. I like um, you know, Family Guy is often at its best when it goes really high concept and does like sci-fi stuff, and yeah. having Stewie fight an evil clone is worthy of like a two-parter on its own. It's handled well here. And I like the stuff with Meg and Joe. I thought it was just going to be, you know, a, a Meg episode that's just kind of awkward and uncomfortable and Family Guy trying to be something it's not. But they really right. push it to, like, perverse extreme, extremes. Yeah. Like they have, the correct amount of extreme. They, like, let Meg breastfeed Susie. And, like, when that happened, oh, I legitimately just, like, stood up and was like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> I... Yeah, she is, like, unhinged. I, I thought it was interesting that uh, they brought up the episode where she kidnapped Brian and did a similar thing to him. Like, I thought I thought that was a cool little bit of continuity. Like, they were like, okay, we know that we kind of did this plot before, but, like, it's kind of a... We're pointing out that it's kind of a pattern with Meg. It, it also helps that Joe is a really good foil for Meg since Meg is just yeah. getting all, like, you know, obsessive and Joe is just too, like, defeated to even do anything about it. Right. <laughs> like, when he realized, he was like, ah, probably should have said something. How are your eggs, Joe? If he doesn't say anything about me calling him Joe, that means we're truly in love. She just called me Joe. That's kind of weird. But I'll just let it slide. She's got nothing going on. Besides, what harm could it do? They're delicious, Meg. Thanks. You're welcome, Joe. Ah, I should have said something. He let me say twice now. It's like we're married. This is Patrick Stewart. How are you liking the program so far? I think it's interesting that, like, no other Griffins are involved in the crazy Meg stuff, but I also think it, it's probably better off of the plot yeah. by dragging Lois into this one. To cap us off, Andy, which episode did you choose? I chose the second episode of the ninth season, uh excellence in broadcasting uh, spencer why don't you go give us the uh, plot summary okay so you know how there's this episode in like season seven where uh lois becomes a fox news record reporter and we all agreed it was kind of toothless and boring mm-hmm. um yeah well um rush limbaugh comes to town voice <sighs> yeah literal and, celebrity cameo yeah and uh brian like is like i'm gonna give him a piece of my mind but then when rush limbaugh saves brian from like a from a 90s interracial street gang brian reads rush limbaugh's book and becomes a republican and then the family is shocked Yeah. yeah and they become friends but then brian becomes a bit overzealous 
and uh, there's a fight at the dinner table um, when all of the uh, liberal family members are butting heads with Rush Limbaugh and Brian. Brian gets overzealous. He ends up in jail. Um, and then... For, or let's say for threatening to kill Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Which we um, all want to do, but, like, come on, be cool. Yeah. That would, that would just become, like, a Republican pastime, like, within a few <laughs> yeah. years. Like, I remember some, like, re- a Republican kid at my high school just, like, got in trouble in class for just saying that she needs to be, like, shot or something in class. <laughs> Which I think was pretty Chad, but, um, but anyways, um, Brian eventually, what is it, you know, Rush Limbaugh reiterates something that Lois said earlier and said, like, Brian, you're not a Republican, you're a liberal, you just want to be on the outside, you just want to be pushing against something, and then he, uh, Brian's like, okay, yeah, that's true. And then the two have, like, a little bit of friendly banter, and then he turns into a bald eagle and flies away. Normal. Male trait. Yeah. It's a male trait. So... I picked this episode for a few reasons. The first of which is that uh, Rush Limbaugh voices himself. Which is crazy. Yeah, weird. Yeah, even sec- when the episode's good, it's like very uncomfortable for that reason. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so the main thing I noticed about this episode, and it's it's a thing that also I've seen a lot of people comment on about this Dewey Lee Sean, it's, it's very true of this episode, is that like they don't actually believe that like the right, not only are they not arguing in bad faith, but they're also fucking bad people. They don't actually understand, like, how psychotic the far right is. They don't understand that, like, Fox News is literally destroying your parents' brains. And, I mean, part of that, I think, also, you can chalk up to, like, they are, you know, they are winning in this moment, and they are underestimating... Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that lays into a lot of, like, the liberal... This episode plays a lot in part of why liberals don't understand Trump is because, right. like, they cannot conceive that this is what Trump was the whole time, that this is the Republican Party as a stand mode. I think, like, there, there's a moment at the end where it's like, Brian, I wouldn't want anyone who doesn't actually believe in conservatism to be on my side. It's like, yes, you what the fuck is he talking about? Rush <laughs> yeah. of course he doesn't. As long as you're donating and supporting to a conservative movement, he doesn't give a shit. His job yeah. is making people who previously were not conservative join his movement. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or at least, like, or become even more entrenched in it. Like, that and is it literally is... what he is paid to do. Yeah, very, very weird writing. You you, you also see that in, like, uh, the, the Bush episode where it's like, oh, I mean, we saw this earlier, but, like, Bush is just, like, a naive child, not an actual fucking war criminal yeah. who ruined... Like, New Orleans or Iraq and several other, like, places around the world by just destroying them or letting them be destroyed in the case of a hurricane. And and that's, I also, like, that's the thing that I just, I just, like, it's it's just, like, how shallow Hollywood lives understanding of politics is. And yet yeah. they're, they're yeah. the blue checks on Twitter who fucking insist on everything. I mean, dumb Twitter beef aside, like, liberals do not see things in terms of systems, and that is... Politics is not a context. Yeah, if if you get along with Rush Limbaugh, then he, you know, he's a good person, or maybe not even a good person, but he's doing his job. You know, he believes what he believes. You know, because, listen, I had a conversation with him. He seems like a good guy. And they don't understand that, like, he is part of a larger system in which he is an important cog in creating mass death and destruction. I think it's 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 also like they don't even understand that like it doesn't matter that right wingers sincerely believe that they hate something. They just think it's a grift. It doesn't matter if like and and the, the thing is no, it obviously doesn't matter if it's grift or not. Racism, that's what racism is. It's just like vile fucking hatred and like even if it's like argued in good faith or not and it's and and you, this episode is repulsive to that. If somebody is stabbing you to death, like are you going to ask them is this a joke? You know, it's, yeah, exactly. Are you murdering me in good faith? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, literally, yeah. I I wanted to mention one more thing about Rush Limbaugh is that, you know, the history of it is that they wanted to get a Republican on the show, and then Seth asked a couple people. Apparently they got a few, you know, a few people interested in just Rush. And Rush said, you know, I've got great respect for McFarland because he's a professional and I've always loved professionals. And he respects professionals. Yeah. yeah. Professional respecter. Is that Rush saying, secretly revealing he's also a fucking loser theater kid? Um. No, no, I, I think this is just him revealing to us that he and Patrick Stewart and Seth like go to lunch once a week. Yeah. They, they have like, they have like sleepovers where they all dress in lacy pajamas and like do pillow fights. So, yeah. so not only do they have Rush Limbaugh voice himself in this episode, but they also, well, I mean, he doesn't really do much of the singing, but they also give him a musical number. What do you guys it's, think of the musical number? I like it. I, I think that it was when, epic. Fam- 
I think that when Family Guy usually does like parodies of songs, they they are they just kind of steal the premise outright. But for those yeah. who for those who don't know, this is a uh, this is based on the song Company Man from uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which is all about like the main character talking with somebody like somebody who's been at the company a long time, and the, that guy basically just saying, "Oh, I do whatever I'm like the company wants me to do. Like I am, you know, my I, my." identity is I work for the company, you know, I, I just, I work hard and I agree with the boss and... When I joined this firm as a brash young man, well I said to myself, now brash young man, don't get any ideas. Well I stuck to that and I haven't had one in years. You play it safe. I play it the company way. Wherever the company puts me there, I'll stay. But what is your point of I view? I have no point of view. Supposing the company thinks... I think so, too. Well, now, what would you say? Uh, I wouldn't say. I uh, wouldn't say. <laughs> I honestly thought it was kind of like a little subtle dig at, like, someone who is... Because if you're going to have Rush Limbaugh all on, like, you can't literally be like, oh, the GOP are, you know, evil and they all eat children or whatever, which, like, they do. But, like, you can't really say that. So I always thought it was kind of like a sly little dig, like, besides the little self-deprecating things that they would make Rush say once or twice. And it's, it's yeah. also a very yeah. good music. Oh, it's very, it's catchy. The music, the music team Family Guy has, I think, is so disproportionately good compared to what the show is. That, like, every, yes. every time they do yeah. a musical number, I'm just like... Like I just, I just obviously like the Christmas episode we are not including as part of the season, but like they do some shit, you know, they're doing like the, the composition is not bad. Like their musical numbers, their musical numbers and their fight scenes. There's a yeah. lot of cartoons where they don't give a shit about whether the song is harmonically interesting. So, yeah. you know, when you're, you're watching family guy and they start playing and you're like, whoa. It also right. doesn't hurt. Seth MacFarlane's a fucking great singer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, man. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's so weird. I will say also they take half their songs from like classic Broadway. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, you know that that just yeah. goes with Family Guy style of comedy. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, borrow, borrow, just heavily borrow, and it works out. No, but it's like like the, these are songs that like already were good, and then they're yeah, but like no, I agree. In my notes, I wrote um, about what is it? Uh, I wrote about when it was. I think it was during the North Pole episode, and was the second musical number that like really kind of the Christmas time is killing us. Yeah, Christmas time is killing us. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote in my notes, like, this show still had ambition, like in all caps or something. Right, yeah. Um, for such a show that's, like, you know, considered lazy, and it gets lazier as time goes on, and there's certainly a lot of laziness involved, right. you can't ever fully write this off, write off this show as phoning it in, because this show did not need to go out with, like, all of the musical numbers it does and all of the yeah. high-concept plots it does. Like, like how at the end of uh, the, the one episode, like, they literally introduce Obama like he's a rock star. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you gotta yeah, be sincere. No. Yeah. I just wanted to get that reference in before the episode was done, because, like, yeah. I feel like that was something we should have mentioned. Um, I, I think I just wanted to tie a bow on, bow on all this and say, I think the redeeming aspect of the season, even though the HD animation kind of looks ugly, even though you... If the wheels really the yeah, because this was the first proper despise HD the animation guy. Um, <laughs> uh, what is it? Even if the wheels have been falling off for a while, you know, even if the animation's ugly, even if this the show is getting way too cartoony, they are still they. What's redeeming of the season as a whole is that they still give a shit at this point, and I think it might not be enough in the future, but at this point, it is enough to make this a solid season of Family Guy. I would agree with that. Uh, don't know where I put it in my rankings, but I'd say it's solid. Um, yeah, yeah. I I enjoyed it. I again, I enjoyed it more than season eight, even if I didn't prefer it over like season six or seven. Um, I think that's gonna do it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, Lime, thanks for coming on. Do you have anything yeah, you'd like to plug so for our audience? I dropped an EP called Heart Doxing. It's my oh. pinned tweet on Twitter. Listen to it. It's like five minutes long. I made it in like eight hours because I feel I felt like I needed to make some original music because a lot of my shit is silly. Uh, it's yeah. Is this the first uh, time we've done a uh, uh, public episode where we actually have a Patreon? Um, uh, yeah, I think I think no. Last time we had a Patreon. Well, I, I just want to say uh, the, the the month ended when shortly after we recorded this recording on on July second. Uh, thank you for everyone who donated. Yeah, yeah. Sure, we really seriously. appreciate all your money. Yeah, we we appreciate the <laughs> and your support. It is beyond what we expected. Um, 
Uh, yeah, no, that's going to do it. Next week, we are doing the first half of season 10 with, um, I'm not going to spoil who yet, although it'll probably be You'll obvious by the time, but... Um, we probably mentioned it on Twitter, but yeah, no, uh, it's going to be... Yeah. It's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a great a, a big one in all time. It's it's going yeah. to be one. It's going to be our. Uh, it's gonna be the big one, folks. It's gonna be um, our coup de gras. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye. Bye.